0: This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of the Liverpool.com podcast. I am your host Mo Stewart and I'm joined by Ben Buckshack and James Martin. And I don't know about you, Ben, but... I'm fully embracing AFCON fever right now. The tournament started yesterday. There's another game literally kicking off as we speak, featuring Sadio Mane. I'm excited. Are you as excited as I am?
1: Yeah, me too. I mean, I wrote a piece for it on liverpool.com about scouting potential players. And I think it's just such a fun and exciting tournament that even though from a Liverpool perspective, one of your half of your face is crying because Salah and Mane and Keita are gone, but the other half is definitely smiling and full of excitement because it, it, it is just
0: such a an interesting tournament to watch. I think so. And we've had a lot of talk about the negative side, James, but let's concentrate on the smiley face side of it, <laughs> shall we? I think... I mean, Ben mentions the fact, obviously, we've lost some of our players, but there's going to be so many great players to watch in this tournament and so many great games to look forward to. I think that we should really be looking at this from a glass half full rather than half empty, particularly seeing as it looks like Liverpool are going to have quite a busy summer in the transfer market.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And it's relatively easy to watch this year compared to some previous seasons like there's I mean it's at least been picked up for broadcast in the UK so like chances to watch it and yeah look at some talents from a Liverpool perspective which is what we'll be doing but yeah, you know also just just generally enjoying what is yeah a very good tournament and one that probably doesn't get the attention it deserves partly because of when it gets played in the in the calendar perhaps but yeah no, I'm excited as well.
0: Now that is the key point though James I think it's the for too long, because of all of the downsides of it, people aren't really willing to embrace the upside. So we're going to do that right now. And we're going to go with transfers because we are still in January. It does feel like transfer time. So we're going to do a little bit like what we did for the Euros in the summer. We're going to look across all of the teams competing in AFCON 22. And we're going to pick out some of our favourite players that we think Liverpool should be interested in, most likely in the summer time. But before we even get into the details of the names, Ben, let's look at the African market in general, because we've heard quite a lot about people saying that maybe African players aren't going to be targeted in the future because of all of the disruption around AFCON that we've seen so far. But when you still think about the quality of the talents that Africa has, I mean, you've got Salah, you've got Mane, you've already got Riyad Mahrez. Um, So many of the up-and-coming players in the next generation are either from African or of, of African descent. So to ignore all of that talent just because you lose them for three weeks every couple of years feels a little bit wild to me. Do you not know think? I have to agree. I mean you only have to look at I in my
1: personal opinion, one of the best players in the world is African in Mohamed Salah and one of the best goalkeepers in the world in Edouard Mendy is also yeah. African. So you only have to look at those two and and say Liverpool really daft not to you know enter the mark the african market and uh, i think as well um with the addition of the winter break in the premier league which was meant to be a thing before coronavirus came along but hopefully it will be a thing again in the future at some point uh it, it's not as much of a loss as well to liverpool mm. um in, in terms of thinking about the future and, and, and even even this month you, you see their games that they're missing it, it should still be
0: relatively okay for Liverpool I think so and I think Liverpool shown themselves to be not dafts so I think that they have been almost actively bringing in African players and they see the, the benefits of them rather than just the deficits. I wonder though, James, with this whole Emmanuel Dennis affair that happened with between Watford and Nigeria, where it's all got a little bit messy and there's been a little bit of a, a club versus country row. And obviously clubs are the ones who pay these players wages. You might see a lot of players be uh, leaned on, so to speak, to maybe let their international careers go. We've already seen Odinagalo have to kind of go back into retirement because this club in Saudi Arabia put in a no AFCON clause. Now, even just saying a no Afghan clause, it sounds kind of shady to me. And we have to remember that, as Ben mentioned, the rest of Europe does have a winter break, so can deal with this a lot easier. Do you worry that those kind of things may become the norm, or do you think that's just the outlier at this stage? I mean,
2: I'd hope it's just the outlier. It's 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 one of them where it, it has to come down to the individual player. And if they're genuinely happy to agree to a no Afghan clause and they're not getting leaned on to sign it, and then that's fine. I mean, you look at someone like Joel Matip, he hasn't represented Mm -hmm. Cameroon for a number of years now, and that's his decision, that's absolutely fine. Um, But yeah, if players are eager to represent their country, as I would say most probably are, and then you've got clubs saying that we're not going to sign you unless you agree to the the no AFCON clause, as you said, purely just to protect three weeks of the season at club level, it does seem a bit Mm -hmm. petty-minded, a bit spiteful almost. So yeah, it would be a shame to see that become the norm Uh, with the Watford stuff yeah it's it's tricky because I can see it from Watford's perspective particularly if what they're saying is true in the sense that Nigeria notified them too late that they wanted Mm -hmm. to call him up you you know you don't want to be working on a fortnight's notice that you're going to be losing one of your best players I mean if if we only just had it dropped on us a couple of weeks ago that Salah was going to be off that would have been bad so at least we've had time to kind of plan for it work out how we're going to cope um so if if that sort of account of things is true I do have sympathy for Watford mm-hmm. but yeah it's it's not a good look particularly with with Sars injury happening at the same time um so they've had to kind of say look you can't have either of these stars yes. who would have been like absolute leaders for their for their country at afcon so yeah it's it's not it's not an ideal situation whoever whoever the fault lies with
0: yeah, I mean, I think it is fair to say that it, it, there is more to it, more moving parts in the story than has been recognized. We're not necessarily saying that Watford are the uh, the enemies of all Africa or anything that drastic, <laughs> but it's kind of ironic actually because it's the Igalo situation is probably why they ended up going for Dennis so late because they probably assumed that he would be able to come out of retirement, but no, he could not. So, anyway, politics aside we're going to concentrate just on the football. And thinking about Liverpool and what the squad is going to look like at the start of next season, what the squad potentially needs at the start of next season, these are the things that we're going to be looking at to try to find that right player from the AFCON 22 who will slot perfectly into Jurgen Klopp's side. So, Ben, I'm coming to you on this one first. I feel like you've got the biggest depth and... Europe-wide knowledge to be able to tell us exactly the kind of person we should be targeting? I think maybe not
1: particularly for the summer, but one player I'm keeping an eye on is uh, Kamal Dean Suleimana for Rennes. Uh, mm. I spoke to the scout who spotted him for Right to Dream in Ghana back in the day and uh, I heard some very positive things about him. Uh, and I think obviously Liverpool are looking to rejuvenate that front line um, he's, he's only 19 at the moment but um, he's already making impressive strides in France he, he just moved to Rennes in the summer and he's already averaging 0.54 goal contributions per 90 in League One which is not bad in, in the French top flight for, for your maiden season as well mm. um, and um, I think one of the things that uh, when I spoke to a scout who discovered him, uh, one of the things that stood out to me is um, the way how he described that Kamal plays on the edge and uh, the scout, Jeremy Sievel, of Right to Dream, compared that to Salah and Mane, that he drew out um, Salah and Mane in particular as two people who also play on the edge and who also have that sort of, uh, you know, that 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 sort of style and uh, that mm-hmm. flair and, and, and that unexpected ability to 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 score or dribble or an assist out of nowhere and um i think that's that's really interesting about kamal dean and uh i'm also curious um to see how he performs in this new ghana team that is Mm -hmm. relatively young uh you they also called up abdul Sahaku, who was linked with Liverpool in the summer some even suggested that he had signed for Liverpool obviously we don't know how accurate those reports are I mean from what the information we got from the club is that that's not true at all but um he's it, it Fatao is also 17 and uh, he he could potentially be starting alongside Suleimana in the front three so from a Liverpool perspective I think that Ghana attacking team attacking
0: lineup in particular is going to be one to watch at the tournament See, it's interesting that you've gone for suleimana because we've heard a lot about Ren's wingers being linked with Liverpool James, but it tends to be Jeremy Doku as opposed to suleimana So I'm interested to see that the fellow on the other side might be just as gifted. Now, part of the problem we've seen with these Doku rumours is it feels like the quoted price does not necessarily match up with his current level. So do you see someone, maybe a younger target like Suleimana potentially offering a little bit more value for money for Liverpool and someone who could potentially develop a little bit quicker?
2: Yeah, it's um, a tricky one. I mean, they're both so young, aren't they? So they've both got bags of potential, and it's it's really just which one you'd rather you'd rather take the punt on. But you're right, at this stage, Dochy would probably be commanding the bigger price tag, you would imagine. I mean, he's represented Belgium at the Euros. He's got that kind of that kind of pedigree already, and as we said, rightly or wrongly, that's the sort of tournament which attracts more attention. It jacks the price tag up a bit more than than a good Afcon would. Um, so yeah, it is quite funny how these things work out. The whole focus on the summer, as you say, Jeremy Docu this, Jeremy Docu that, and then his teammate is well, if anything, kind of outshining him so far this season. So, but yeah, I mean, why not sign them both? Double
0: deal. <laughs> Who says no? Well, well, I mean. I would, I would possibly be interested in signing, but maybe or maybe there can be some kind of battle between them. <laughs> where it's just like, okay, we just take the last half of the season and we will say whoever does the best, that's the one we we'll pick. But going back to Ghana, Ben, um, they look like they should get out of the group. Obviously, Gabon are slightly compromised without their leading striker, uh, and Morocco, who they're playing first up, will be their hardest game in the group stage, but. Obviously, they are one of the traditional teams of AFCON. So they will be expected to represent well, even if, like you say, it is a new young team. So, do you think this could be the opportunity for someone like Suleimana to lead this young group into the knockout phases and maybe win a couple of games that they might be not expected to win?
1: Absolutely. I think this is, um, I don't think the expectations are as high on Ghana this time around because you know normally they, they would be expected to do really well, even win it. I don't think anyone is expecting them to win the tournament this time around. And uh, I think it's almost uh, it, this Ghana team kind of gives me similar vibes to England in 2018 before the World Cup when no one was really expecting anything. And, you know, Gareth Southgate took a young team out there. Uh, no pressure, no expectations. Uh fairly you know the group is nicely poised for them as well to to do well in um and i think uh yeah all of that mounts to the potential for for suleimana to you know become a star in this team um uh, he's he is being considered as one for the future as one of the stars of you know the next decade uh, where mm. Ghana you know are expected to win trophies and and do well again at the international stage and i think um uh, yeah, this, is, this will be a good
0: debut, an exciting debut for in, in an international tournament. Well, I think is definitely going to be one I'll be keeping an eye on. I think, like you said, Ghana are a really interesting team anyway, because we don't quite know how good they're going to be. But I'll definitely be keeping an eye on Kamal D and Sulemana, And so should all of you. So, James, it's your turn. Who do you have under consideration?
2: Yeah, I'm just going to just gonna briefly touch on what Ben was saying as well. The fact that we can talk about these players and say, you know, they're going to be big for the next decade. That's very exciting. Like, these are genuinely, like, if you look at where Liverpool was a decade ago, it's it's a long time in football. So, yeah, these are, I think, basically everyone we've picked out are players who could be at the top level for, yeah, that sort of length of time, which is very exciting to think about and makes any investment make a bit more sense for Liverpool in terms of the, the FSG philosophy and everything. And, yeah, the, the player I've picked out fits in with that nicely as well which is uh, one of the strikers Nigeria were able to, to call up, which is uh, Samuel Chukwese from Villarreal. Um, yeah, it's really like him. It seems to make a lot of sense, tick a lot of boxes from a Liverpool perspective. Talked about his age, which is 22. That's kind of a prerequisite when you're going through the, the credentials. So he's got a lot of room to grow, but equally not quite as raw as someone like a like a Soleimani. if you look at the players liverpool have targeted it's kind of in that age group so i think jota came in at 23 maybe and that's the sort of general model that that we've been working towards kind of a bit of experience coupled with that massive massively high ceiling and um, talked about with, with Solomano as well, the kind of similarity to, to Mane to Salah. Uh, and one of the interesting things about Traquez is when you go on his um his FB ref page, the statistical profile, it's listed uh, the second most similar player player is Sadio Mane. So that's always a promising sign when you're when you're looking at replacing the front three for the next generation. Um, he wouldn't necessarily be a replacement for Mane because he's a left footer who likes to play off the right. So I suppose you're looking more at Salah territory there. Um, but yeah, it's good to see that kind of statistically similar profile to, to any one of the front three, really. Um, I also quite like the fact that it's a blend of sort of creative and clinical. You look at a lot of the potential targets you get mentioned for Liverpool and it's either their goals that stand out or, or their sort of assists, expected assists. But you've got Jaquesa, who's in, in the top 25% of strikers across Europe in both goals and expected assists. So that kind of well-rounded package already Already doing it in La Liga as well. It's it's a strong yeah. league. It's potentially less of a risk even than than Liga. Um, you'd have to say it's it's the stronger league, even if even if it's not necessarily as strong as it once was. Um, yeah, there, there's plenty of other things. I, those are the main things that stand out for me. But you, you look at things like pressures already. They're they're good enough that there's something for Klopp to work with. It's it's quite low down in terms of if you're talking about you know percentiles, but. I think it was just over 13 pressures per 90, which is very much in the same ballpark as, as Mane and Salah. So it's not too much work to do in that region. Um, yeah, very, very good as a dribbler. And he's got the pace, which is, again, a kind of prerequisite for, for an attacker in Liverpool's front three. So, yeah, just a lot of things which make him seem very much like a
0: Liverpool player in waiting. He has been linked with Liverpool quite a few times. And I think that for a lot of those reasons that you've mentioned, James, I think the thing that I like about Chiquese the most, Ben, is that he has got that experience for a young man. He's played Champions League football, scored in the Champions League this season for Villarreal, obviously was part of their Europa League run last season. So he's been closer to the sharp end of elite football than maybe some of the others on our list. But I still think he's someone who will be in the mix, not necessarily going to be a number one target, but he's going to be on the list somewhere.
1: Yeah, I think he's, he's interesting. Like you said, Liverpool were reportedly, reportedly made an offer for him uh, a couple of seasons ago when he had his first breakthrough campaign for Villarreal. Uh, that didn't amount to anything. Uh, and then since then, he's had a couple of, you know, half and half season like so so seasons not 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 as impressive uh and it seems it, it seemed like at the start of the season when Dan Juma came in it, he had an injury that he was gonna sort of fall down the pecking order but he's come back he's bounced back from that injury and I think he's averaging 0.84 goal contributions per 90 or some something along the lines when when I last looked it up uh so that that's really impressive he's bounced back strong and he's uh making an impact when he's playing and uh, if he can maintain that for the rest of the season and obviously have a good AFCON as well uh, i think that that, that is someone liverpool could potentially approach i think matt wrote a piece about him for liverpool.com recently and uh, i think he made the point that you know dan dreamers release is around 75 million euros which liverpool are not really expected to pay but Chakweza could be a cheaper alternative if Liverpool are interested in that market and uh, he he could be an option for sure.
0: Well, I mean, that is true. Although I think with with La Liga, we have to be a little bit careful with release clauses because they automatically put them pretty much in there every single contract. And I've just looked online to see what Chakweza's is and it's also £71 million. So that's. I think think in terms of, if you, you look at Dan Juma, they've only
1: brought him in this summer, so mm. obviously they are they are unlikely to want to get rid of him in a year's time. Whereas with Chukweza he's been there a bit longer. Uh, maybe Villarreal and maybe the player himself will be thinking, you know, this is the next. I'm ready for the next step. Whereas with Dan Dreamer, he probably wants maybe another season at Villarreal himself as well.
0: The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. It's an interesting split, though, isn't it, James, from the club's perspective, from Villarreal's perspective, because you have someone in Dan Juma who seems to be the hot young thing right now uh, and therefore might be able to create more of a bidding war that might actually get closer to that release clause number. But then he might actually be more of a long-term benefit to the club, whereas someone like Jaquese, who, as uh, Ben said, he's already had a few years at the club, might be thinking it's time for him to move on. So... Is do you which one will be better benefit to keep, which one will be better benefit to sell? It's a tricky conundrum for clubs at this level, isn't it?
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, they're probably feeling the financial pressures a bit less than some of the other clubs around Europe, in the sense that they had that kind of relatively unexpected qualification for the Champions mm-hmm. League, which is is bound to help the accounts no end. So they're probably not under too much pressure to to at least they'll they'll keep one. You'd have to think at least. Um, but whether they have that much say in which one stays and which one goes, it probably just depends where the interest is as much as anything else. Um, but, yeah, if if they were picking which one to get rid of, there's, yeah, it's, it's a tough one for them for, for the reasons you outlined there. Um, as you say, Dan Juma, fresher, more of the, the hot property in Europe. But a lot of clubs will be thinking the price is going to be prohibitive. I mean, Liverpool were quite heavily linked in the summer, before he moved to Villarreal and that, that was the time to get him really. His price will have doubled easily since then. And so you're thinking, well, at this stage, has has the boat sailed in terms of when there's value to be had. Whereas with Traqueza he, he didn't arrive for big money in the first place. I I mean I can't remember whether he was an academy prospect. They certainly I think they brought him from a from an African academy of, of some mm-hmm. description. Um, So he came in for very trifling amounts, certainly compared to Dan Juma. So any sale on him would represent a big profit without having to be in, you know, crazy high figures. So they they can sort of make bank, if you like, on Chikwese a lot more easily than they can on Dan
0: Juma. I think that's a fair assumption. And... If there's one reason above all else that we should be in for Samuel Chukwueze, it's because apparently Everton are also interested. So any chance we get to steal someone from under their noses should be taken. Now despite that, I'm going to throw my own player or my own hat into the ring and I've kind of gone a slightly different direction. He's definitely not what you would call a classic Liverpool striker. Very much more of a plan B option. Uh, maybe one from the left field but I've been very excited watching him. As you all know, I've been doing the European show. And every time I look at Lee Gunn and I look at Clermont, there's this fella called Mohamed Bayo who is doing bits. And he's a very, very exciting prospect for me, principally, Ben, because he's a penalty box guy. And we've seen... The difference between having Diego Jota into our side and having someone who works between the width of the post and is really dangerous in that area, how it can take our goal scoring to a new level. Mohamed Bio has that in spades. He's got 29 goals for Clermont in the season and a half, and only three of them have been further back than the penalty spot. This kid's got composure, he's got quality, and I believe he can make the step up. How have you seen much of him this so far, and uh, how would you assess what he's been up to? I haven't seen
1: much of him. I've I have seen a bit. I've heard. I heard of his name, obviously, last year when he, I think, he was top goal scorer in the second division in France. Awesome. Uh, and uh, just just watching his goals this season, he, he seems like someone who's a real big threat from uh, the pen, like like you say, from the penalty box, but also from crosses as well and set pieces. He. He he's quite dangerous in the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what's impressive about him is Claremont have only scored twenty goals in uh, the league this season. He scored nine, and he also has two assists. So he's contributed to over half of their goals, uh, which which is really impressive. His data in terms of finishing stands out as well. He's very mm-hmm. clinical, and and that's in the same mold as Origi. And I think when you look at you know. The pot- potentially losing a rigi even in January or in the summer, um, Liverpool may need uh, a player of his ilk, someone similar in, in terms of style mm-hmm. to a like you say, a plan B. And uh, Mohamed Bio is 23, and uh, he, he could be an interesting option. And uh, I think, well, oh, with uh, that navigator connection, and Liverpool mm-hmm. have also been linked with uh, Agribi Kumara, who's also in that Guinea national team. So, um, yeah, we could we could have a few more Guineans and in the future,
0: keep an eye out. It. It,
1: it's definitely their their team is definitely one to watch. Uh. Mm,
0: I think so too. I'm I'm kind of Guinea within my dark horses kind of bracket as a team who can potentially break out and maybe make the semis, if not necessarily the final, but. The keen-eyed observers of you, the ones who are regular watchers on liverpool.com, will have noticed that I had a piece very similar to what Ben was just saying that came out where I talk about Bahio as that Divock Origi replacement. Now, James, we've spoken a lot about replacing Salah. We've spoken probably a lot about replacing Sadio Mane more than he would like us to be talking about it. But replacing Origi's. Equally as a difficult task and maybe even more of a difficult task, because when you are trying to buy someone who's going to be a backup, they need to have the quality to not represent a big drop-off, but they also need to know they're going to be a backup. And so you have to have someone who's maybe at the beginning of their career, Mohammed is only 23 years old, someone who's not necessarily going to cost the world, I believe, the current valuation is only 17 million euros which would not necessarily be that different to the valuation most people will get from Dibault Garigi. So if we're looking for a like-for-like replacement within the squad, someone who's going to have a small period of time to make a large impact, these are the kind of players we're going to be targeting, aren't we?
2: Yeah, I'm a big fan of the kind of really wild card options where it's just they don't seem to fit into the Liverpool system at all. But they can just get thrown on and maybe create some havoc which leads to a goal. I mean, we saw, as you say, Origi is the kind of archetypal example. He's yeah. done quite well in fitting into the Liverpool system over the years, but his natural game is not really the same as as the starting front three. It never has been, never will be. Shaqiri, I think, was another prime example. Yeah. It was nothing about him screamed Liverpool player, but it was it was a fun signing. He had his moments. I mean, we wouldn't have won the Champions League without him with that Barcelona game. So yeah, sometimes you do just need someone a bit different to to offer that something else, whether that's off the bench in those in those moments, or whether it's just with injuries and you need to you need to call on someone else. But as you say, it requires a certain type of player, one who is mm-hmm. happy to play that role for a prolonged period of time. Obviously, Shaqiri eventually had enough of it, sold in the summer. Um, but yeah, it's. I, I can't pretend I've seen loads of this guy, um, but it's yeah. From from what's being said, it sounds it sounds like a promising option. The thing, the thing. I don't think the club will be going. We need someone exactly like Origi in the sense mm. that, I mean, <laughs>
0: is there anyone? Um, <laughs> but, but that person does not exist, James. I well, think the club exactly. Know that too. <laughs> um,
2: and to be fair, it's also worth mentioning that Origi essentially. Had a season and a half where he was very, very quiet, and everyone kind of presumed, okay, he's he's beyond his usefulness now. He's had a bit of a renaissance this season, come back and had had some good moments. But yeah, even a player as a sort of clinical as Azarigi will, will struggle in that role. So it's it's a very, very hard brief to fulfil. Even if you get the recruitment spot on, there's going to be there's going to be times where it looks like they're struggling to make an impact.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair and. The thing about the consistency level that was required from Origi is ultimately why he wasn't able to make a consistent place in the team and found himself on the bench. So, I look at Mohamed Bayo though, Ben. I look at his dribbling ability. I think that he's the kind of person who, if like Aurig, was asked to do a job out on the wide for at the wide forward position, he would be able to do that. His is great. I think I look at his key pass stats. And they are high, even though the assists are low. And that tells me that the chances that he's creating, were he creating them in a better team with better players, then those numbers will probably be higher as well. So he's at 23, he's got things to build. He's got key building blocks in place. But as we've seen, any player who comes into the Jurgen Klopp system for a couple of years can suddenly look a lot better than they did beforehand. I, I Exactly. I think that's
1: a good point as well, that you make... Um... He is someone who is, uh, who's standing, you know, his numbers on might not be as great, you know, only nine goals and two assists, but he is playing in a team that have only scored 20 goals. (laughs) The the quality around him is uh, probably not the best and uh, yet he is still standing out and I think if we were to see that in a better team in and in a better environment and more where he gets more opportunities uh he's already shown that he can be clinical uh you know we we can see him potentially get you know to to Origi's levels on a more consistent basis I think what I like about him is he doesn't get as many chances as maybe the other strikers in league on but he's still scoring a lot of goals and uh that 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 is impressive for a striker you know you you know you, you get some strikers who get a lot of chances and miss a lot of chances hmm. uh maybe even some of Liverpool's own players are guilty of that at times uh they they do t- tend to get a high volume of chances and they do score a high volume of goals as a result but not necessarily as often as they perhaps hmm. should so i think with Origi leaving, uh, there is going to be a void in, in that sense in that Liverpool squad, and someone like Bayer, who, who can convert chances mm. at a pretty efficient rate, it is going to be needed. And uh, like like you say, Clement probably don't have the biggest financial power in League One, and uh, you know he is relatively cheap, so it would be mm. fairly r- low risk as well.
0: I think it will be low risk. I think by the time we get to the summer. If they've stayed in Liga, then obviously they'll probably be more happy to let him go. If he's they've got relegated, then the valuation is probably going to drop anyway. So either way, I think it's a deal we can see Liverpool doing. I will be watching intently every Guinea game, and every time we see a Naby Keita through ball that goes through Mohamed Bio and he puts it in the net, hopefully all of you are going to be going, I wonder, I wonder, because. We don't know what FSG's plans are. I think that's very clear. But one thing we do know, there are lots of fantastic footballers at this tournament and there are so many who maybe catch our eye. We've just given you three examples. There's plenty more out there. James, Ben, it's been a fun little chat. So thank you very much for that. And all of you out there watching, we'll see you again next week. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.